da 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 You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. Are you guys surprised I made it out alive? The Harry Potter review. I'm back. Another episode. A lot of people probably, when they heard that tease last week, like, well, we'll, ne- we'll never have to hear him again. He'll be gone. He'll, <laughs> he'll decide there's better things to do than, than do that. And we'll, we'll just be Brian and Richard's show from now on. Sad to Your mouth to God's ears. <laughs> Such a muggle thing to say. Ugh. I know. I'm still, still trying to figure out what house... I'm going to fall into <laughs> the sorting hat hasn't made its mind up yet, but uh, maybe by the end of our, of our retrospective, that'll happen. Yeah. I took the quiz and it came up MAGA. So <laughs> we'll find out. That means muggle. I think actually, oh, right on. <laughs> um, man, it was a, it was a really fun time though, uh, to catch the listener up. If you don't know what I'm referring to, um, we're doing a Harry Potter retrospective in, in our, uh, Patreon VIP uh, section and it's been awesome. I got to admit, and I'm not going to, that's all I'm going to say, um, because the, our patrons want to get that exclusively, but yeah, the wrinkle is Ken has never seen these films. Right. So I think he's, we think he saw the first one maybe or read the book, but, um, mm. this is I read first. the book, I read the first book, but it was when it was released. So 20 years ago, at least. Yeah. Um, so I did have a frame of reference for the first movie, but that's pretty much it from here on out, and um, I'm looking forward to this. But yeah, so that episode has been released, and um, here we are. More Marvel talk. If we ha- if we didn't need more Marvel talk on this show, right? Thank God. Yeah, we've never done this before, I don't think. This is the first Marvel movie we've ever covered, right? I think there's... Which ones are Marvel? Are they the... They're the Batman V? Mm-hmm. If you haven't yes, figured this out by now, Richard, it's probably a little bit too late, and we'll have to... <laughs> Maybe see you next week. No. Um, so there's 21 Marvel movies. I was trying to calculate in this in my head, Brian, you probably could do it better than me. Have we probably talked more Marvel in the history of the show than the links of the f- movies? So there's probably <laughs> 70 hours of Marvel movies if you were to watch them all. <laughs> Something. Have we talked about it longer than 70 hours, probably? If you, if you count like movie news and stuff like that, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. I would say, for sure. Because we reviewed probably 15 of those movies, I would guess, individually, in addition to all the various talk and such. So, yeah. In addition to I don't know. recommends and news. Yeah. And the trailers. last Avengers was six and a half hours long, so maybe that messes up the, the, uh, the ratio, but, but pretty close anyway. Awesome. So it's going to be a good one tonight. We've got a guest on board and I'm ready to dive right into Captain Marvel. But uh, before we do that, uh, Brian needs to shout out a few of those people that joined us in the VIP this past week or maybe in the past few weeks, but um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. special shout out to the people who joined in the past week and uh, have hopped on board for the Harry Potter um, marathon. It's going to be good. It is. It's already good. It's going to get even better though. Absolutely. That. But go ahead. Absolutely. Yeah. So if you join our, our uh, VIP club, which again is madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. Uh, one of the perks of joining said club is you get your name called, here in a uh, a main feed episode. So if you just joined, 
please bear with us. We are still making our way through because we have, I mean, there's thousands of them, you know, thousands of, of VIPs at this point, right? So uh, it, it'll take us a while to get through everybody's name, but you will get your name called here on the air, which is obviously such a treat, such a main thing that you should uh, should be looking forward to. That's the only reason I do this show. So at the end, Ken can say, Richard, right. where can I find you? It's just a thrill, <laughs> yeah. you know, hearing yeah. your name on a podcast. Yeah. I exclusively do this so I can see my name on iTunes. That's mm-hmm. the main thing, the main reason I do this. All right. So here's a shout out to a, to a few lovely VIPs who have joined in the last few weeks. To Sonia Klaus, uh, Ben Awarder, Ryan Donahoe, Donahue, probably, probably not Donahoe, uh, Patrick Farrell, Zach Nickerson, Jaron Franklin, Caleb Bonham, Claudia Olson, Matthew Coughlin, and the Thomas brothers, Blake and Bryce. I have no idea if they are brothers, but they both signed up around the same time and their last name is Thomas. So much like the Bass brother, the Bash brothers, I assume that they are sort of related. So thank you to uh, all those, those wonderful, lovely VIPs. We really appreciate your support. And uh, I should tease as well, AMA coming next week. Yeah. Ask us anything. Yeah. So if you sign up now, get your questions in. The post is going to be this Wednesday. Um, we're recording Perfect. this on a Monday, so it'll be Wednesday the 13th of March. Uh, I'll post in the VIP, and that's where you'll leave your questions for us to uh, answer, and we'll release that episode next week for everyone to listen to and enjoy the Ask Us Anything, the monthly Ask Us Anything in the VIP. So that will happen next week, but the questions will be asked this week. So let's um, hit a little bit of movie news before we talk Captain Marvel, shall we? Movie news. Yes! Rumors and rumbling. That's awesome. Let the filibustering begin. All right, so we got a little bit of sequel news, some rumblings, some premieres happening, some trailers premiering as well, and a little bit of controversy to talk about tonight. Where should we start? Controversy. 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 Okay, we might take up the entire segment with the controversy. Perfect. But I'm prepared Perfect. Even to, to do that. <laughs> okay. We've touched on this in the past a little bit um, in movie news and in awards talk and things like that, especially this past year. Um, let's talk. This is going to be sensitive for us for a lot of areas. Let's talk Spielberg v. Netflix. Guys, the oh. it's actually the sequel to Batman v Superman. So. <laughs> Spielberg's um, been working out, man. Yeah, oh, he's looking jacked. And, and you should see what Industrial Light Magic is going to do with that piss jar. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be yeah, it is. You've never seen <laughs> DreamWorks presents piss jar cinematic <laughs> universe. Um, it's gained sentience. <laughs> all right. So to catch the listener up. Basically, this stems from Steven Spielberg's past of doing traditional cinema, growing up in Hollywood, uh, making movies in the Hollywood system since he was in his early 20s, and has basically been doing that every year, every other year from then on. Um, Come, you know, fast forward to 2019, 2018, Netflix, Amazon, uh, soon to be Apple, are releasing shows that are, that are considered quality programming uh, by many fronts that have won many Emmys. But as of late, they've started to win Oscars. And this has rubbed some people the wrong way. Some people have fully embraced it, including filmmakers, who some of them, including the Coen brothers, Alfonso Cuaron and, and others, have already jumped the, sh- jumped, uh, the ship. 
the Hollywood ship and jumped onto the uh, streaming platform where they have a, a lot more freedom and um, as far as releasing and marketing and things like that that they don't have to worry about necessarily with uh, with you know doing a wide release movie. So having said that, he wants to put you know some terms out there that these movies, in order to be uh, to qualify for contention in the Academy Awards has to be out there for longer than they are. There, There's a short window now where you can publicly screen uh, some of these movies and still submit them. Uh, you know, you can, for example, Netflix will print some of their stand up on vinyl and they'll submit it for Grammys as best comedy album, right? Things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are workarounds, but he's trying all he can do to avoid those workarounds and saying that, no, these aren't movies. This is just TV. That's disguised as film. You guys are swindled by thinking that these are movies because, by definition, movies are what you watch on a big screen, right? Um, I just wanted to know where you guys fall on this. Uh, I kind of see both sides of it in a way, but, you know, uh, from somebody who is in his early 30s and is trying to make it in this business, I totally see the idea of wanting to do the Netflix route and. Um, having the total freedom to go shoot whatever you want and take it to Netflix and say, Hey, do you guys want this? Cool. All right. And then, you know, if they're the highest bidder, why not go that route? Because, uh, if you're thinking about eyes on stuff, that's probably the best platform you could go to at this point in terms of exposure, telling people a place that they could go and know that they could get there and to see it. Uh, it's not even like that with TV or, or cable or HBO anymore or even iTunes, a lot of people don't have anymore. So all that to say, where do you guys fall on this? And um, I'm actually not sure, because Brian, I know you're a big Spielberg fan for the, in the movies, but I, I know where you fall business side too, so I'm, I'm interested to, to talk about this. But it is a little bit controversial right now, and yeah. um, it's, a, it's a perfect topic for ma'am, I think. We're, Richard's the, uh, the law professor. As we know. Mm. Mm. <laughs> yep. And, he has the cardigans um, to prove it. The cardigans. Yep. Yeah, do prove that. And uh, mm. so we'll start with Richard. Where, what's your perspective? Uh, in a, in, I, I will use legal and intellectual terminology. Uh, sometimes olds are just going to old. Yeah. And you can't hold it against <laughs> them. You know, there was a time where Frank Sinatra was like, these damn kids and their electric guitars. And he sounded insane and doesn't make Frank Sinatra any less great. It just means he was 60. And this just means <laughs> Steven Spielberg is 60, right? I mean, the world is different. Distribution is different. He's not wrong, nor is it wrong to evolve the system. I see his point, right? Whereas a lot of these, I think, f- films, it's kind of, I don't mean to be like crass here, but it's kind of the pornography argument of like, I know it when I see it. I know a movie when I see a movie doesn't necessarily need to be on a big screen. Roma is a movie. I would argue Bohemian Rhapsody isn't, right? And that was in theaters. That feels like (laughs) a TV movie to me, like a good TV movie, but like something that would be on VH1. Um, But so cinema is cinema, but it's hard to define that. So in these times of transition, it's always awkward. And people that aren't old, uh, older, normally adapt quicker. um, And olds are going to old and that's fine. And that's he should keep cranking out movies and he can hate the Netflix model. He could say it's not film and he's not wrong to think that. Uh, 
But if he were to be like, which he's not, but if he were to say, I'm, I would never let my movies be streamed. They must only see, be seen in a theater on actual film. Uh, <laughs> then he would be an idiot. So he's not really saying that. He's just saying you, you've kind of been swindled here. It doesn't fit my definition of film. I'm not as big of a Spielberg fan as, as neither as either of you, though I, I don't dislike him in any way. I just mean this isn't coming like I'm a defense Spielberg at all costs person. But my thinking is, yeah, it just goes against some belief that he has on what cinema is, and that's okay. And it's also okay that Netflix has figured out a new distribution model. Personally, uh, a lot of it comes from doing this show. Um, I hate going to the movie theater. I absolutely detest it because I have to go 50 times a year. It's not really a treat for me. And so I would love for everything to just be on my screen at home. I'm sitting in my office right now. I've got three screens in front of me. And it would be awesome if I could just throw a movie up on them and do other things. Uh, but I also see the value of dedicated attention and taking screens away from you and making you really focus on performance and nuance and cameras and things like that. So, I mean, it's, it's certainly can go either way. But uh, anyway, all that to say, olds are going to old and I rest my case. Brian? <laughs> Yeah, I I see I see both sides of it. I think you're right, Richard. It's it, that doesn't surprise me that an old school, old time filmmaker is like this is terrible. I hate that. I mean, we we see that we we've seen that battle back and forth between film and and digital constantly over the last ten years. So I get it. I understand what he's saying, and I I can appreciate. It. I think part of it is just the the idea that. Um, that there's a mag- that going to the theater is something special. There's a magical experience. Is something that, just not for us anymore. Yeah, but for everyone be, else. <laughs> right, right. It, it's something no. that I, I, I'm saying in his mind. Yeah, and he's not wrong. Like that's that is. I mean, that's what made us want to do these this show. That's what makes most filmmakers want to make films is seeing movies on the big screen and that like great experience that that can be, but is so rarely <laughs> anymore at this point. Um, so I'm mean, like, I get what he's saying. And I like in an ideal world, I totally agree with him. I, I still love going to the theater, but I love it about a fifth of the time at most at this point, because now it's just so there's just so much garbage that goes into it. And I'm just, I get tired of the people and, mostly the people i don't like people that's that's the that's the main thing but you know you you end up in a theater for an r-rated movie and there's a four-year-old sitting next to you or you end up in a movie with a bunch of people who just want to talk the whole time or people have their freaking cell phones out or you know i was at a movie uh i don't think it was this movie maybe the week whatever we saw maybe alita somebody busted out like a bag of genghis grill right next to me and just so that's <laughs> what i'm dealing great, with you know? i'm sure i yeah. mean it did for a minute and then First you're like off, God, i was hungry is- <laughs> so. yeah it's just it's it can be a terrible experience so um i understand where he's coming from i, I and i'm with you arby i don't i don't condemn and I'm I'm the 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 uh, Spielberg stand, so it doesn't really my opinion doesn't matter on this. But I, I get what he's saying. I don't think he's wrong for for trying to say it. my what I would say is number one. I think it's a bad idea ever to try to restrict what movies can and cannot be be uh, highlighted at the end of the year. I just think it's it's kind of yeah. a fool's errand. You know, it's, it's not worth that's not worth the fight in my opinion. I think. We've said before we should just be 
highlighting is highlight as many movies as you want. Let's just get, you know, let's get right on a few of them. But I, I just think it's a bad idea to be like, well, Roma was only open in fourth year. So it doesn't really count. So we're not going to qualify it for, for the Oscars. I would say, however, he's right on this is what I would take from, from this whole argument much more so than should Netflix or Amazon prime or Hulu or whoever, whoever decides to, it's mostly Netflix, but but uh, I would not be surprised if if uh, Amazon followed fully followed the the Netflix model at some point. I don't care so much about uh, was this movie exclusively or mostly shown on Netflix or, or streaming, or whatever. I think you ought to have to have your movie in a certain number of theaters. Period. Because I, I get super frustrated with uh, it happens every year. Some there'll be. Of the, let's say the eight main categories, there will be um, two or three movies every year that I haven't seen, we haven't seen, we have had no access to because they're being shown in four theaters. And I actually think Netflix is a solution to that because I like the concept of, um, hey, we put this movie out in on the coasts and that's it. So for the rest of you, here's the movie that you can see on Netflix or on demand or whatever. Do something like that. Cause I get super frustrated by, uh, and I think it's bad for the industry too. When a movie comes out, that's nominated for one of the big awards and the average moviegoer in Des Moines or something like, is like, I don't even, I've never even heard of this movie. Shape and of I, water. Yeah, what? yeah. I mean, well, that's a, exactly. But I mean, it's at least shape of, shape of water had a, a big release, you know, all that sort of stuff. It's there's, I just think that there's a, it frustrates me greatly. And I, to me, this is what Spielberg's getting at, but he's going about it maybe in the wrong path of like heading straight for, let's talk, let's be angry about Netflix when really we ought to be, we ought to be angry about, um, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy is like the, my go-to example because they advertise that pretty aggressively, and then the weekend that it came out, you couldn't see it anywhere. You could only see it in L.A. and New York, and it was like a month later before we actually got to see the movie. I hate limited release, and I hate the way that it is done, and I just think it builds um, it builds a sense of I don't care. You know, there's an apathy from. Uh, the average moviegoer, when they look at the at the uh, the Oscar nominations and say, "I don't, I don't know what half of these movies are," and anyway, you don't want to just have the, yeah. the solution is not let's uh, let's nominate and and let uh, Bohemian Rhapsody win for everything. But there's there's a there's somewhere in there there's a happy medium of everyone ought to have access to these movies, and right. I. I kind of agree in the sense of if you're just putting this out on the coast, it does kind of suck that that allows you to be in the same conversation as whatever else, whatever movie uh, managed Black Panther, you know, like what movie managed to do both of those things as be open to a wide audience and also be very good. Does that make sense? Like, yeah, I, yeah it's I almost like, like I'm, they I'm should do Oscars kind of rambling um, on that. By I get what he's saying. Screens. I just think it's a bad idea they were to talking... focus on the Netflix thing, you know, and just go yeah. hard on, on streamers. What, what are you doing? You know, it's that, I think that's a, that's a poorly done. It's a, it's a bad execution on a decent idea. I think. Yeah. No, I'd love to see like, uh, they tried the like big move, you know, best uh popcorn movie thing and everyone yelled right. at them and stuff mm-hmm. but it's like they should do like best picture streaming and 10 screens best picture 
10 to 500 <laughs> screens and best picture 500 and plus 500 plus screens like that would almost be the way to separate Wide release that's yeah. kind of what the best popular film category could be yeah someday but i would you just know, do it but tie it to screen release that way no one can get mad on what is a popular film I'm like, well it's very very simple you count the number of screens it's released in that dictates what categories it's in i think you, there should just be some kind of vetting process with the academy with the motion picture association whoever it is that determines whether it's a film and it's eligible or not, you know? (laughs) And then if you choose to submit it, you know, and do the campaigning and all that as a studio to try to get it nominated, then that's your deal. But I don't think there should be some line in the sand about whether it should be eligible to be nominated or not. I think everything, I think some student film that some guy made in Des Moines should be eligible, you know, if it's good enough and people hear about it and talk about it and get it in there. Yeah, sure. It could win best picture. I don't give a crap. If it's the best movie, I want to see it, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. so I hate all these technicalities about what is and isn't a movie. Um, I want to recognize the best stuff regardless of that. Um, you know, I, I, like, like I said before, I understand his stance and he's made this stance before about digital cameras, and about how that's right. not real, mm-hmm. and Tarantino's on that on that uh, soapbox as well about how that's not you're not shooting a movie um, if it's not shot on film. You're not watching a movie if it's not projected on thirty five millimeter film. You know, like if you go to the theater and you're watching a it, your average theater is digital projection, right? They show it on there, like uh, whatever brand the projector is. To them, that's not even good enough to go to your average right. AMC. Like they, they, they despise that. Like you've got to go to the New Beverly, you know, or these <laughs> limited theaters that do these thirty-five millimeter screenings to even watch the movies to be acceptable in their eyes. So it's like I understand that, but it's also you don't have to be a D about it. You know, just like mm-hmm. let us do our yeah. thing and just kind of you don't have to agree, but you don't have to speak up and and be so vocal about we're going to start a group that we're going to get this approved and we're going to change the rules and this isn't going to stand and all this stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, That's just being old man yells at cloud guy. Uh, You don't want to be that (laughs) guy in Hollywood, especially the guy who's respected as that. You don't, I I mean, uh, Spielberg's had a pretty, pretty good track record. um, But I think time will not serve this well. I think time is only going to move in the direction of, on demand yeah. and, and and you're talking about eliminating limited release brian i can see a solution where the limited release movies are just same day on demand kind of movies and they and should they're be on they amazon should be. or they're yes. on yes. itunes on same day and you know the olds can go to the angelica and see them because they don't have the on demand or don't know don't mm-hmm. you know don't use that and they want to go see them and that's fine and, yeah. and to have that but i totally agree i hate not being able to see movies that everybody's talking about, um, mm-hmm. even in limited release, uh, they're tough to get to. You know, even if yeah. you live by one of those theaters. So, so yeah, I think, I think there's a, a solution s- somewhere along the line, and it wouldn't surprise me if Disney is the is the kind of uh, pioneer of this with Disney Plus, which is supposed to come out, I guess, 2020. Um, Captain Marvel's coincidentally the first movie that's not going on Netflix from Disney. Um, Mm -hmm. The first one that's, you know, right now you could watch infinity war on Netflix um, because of their contract. All the Disney movies had to go on there, but this is the first one that's not. And so all the ones after this going forward are not, and they're going to be Disney plus exclusive. So I can see a scenario where they would release 
Um, Captain Marvel, if if they had Disney Plus this weekend, they could have done a same day on demand for Captain Marvel on their own streaming service and done a twenty nine ninety five same day, and you get it for twenty four hours and you can watch it as many times as you want, right? Those types of deals that'll keep people interested. Um, but we'll we'll see in the long term. But like I said, I don't think the long term is going to be going to be very um, kind to Mr. Spielberg with this commentary. Yeah. Yeah. At all. Again, there's there's some Soderbergh is what proof he's saying. That Soderbergh is it. the complete opposite right. of this right, right now. Absolutely. Like, yeah. no. All Netflix. No. All like screw <laughs> screw going to theater. Like, what's some? You know, it's easy for somebody to say who is Steven Spielberg and can just think of anything and walk into any studio and get it made for two hundred million dollars. Like that's his mm-hmm. life. Like it's easy for him to say, "Why would you even go to Netflix?" You know. Because he doesn't have to. Imagine being him when he was 18, right? He would have loved the idea of, oh, you mean I can edit something on my laptop and go to Netflix and somebody could see it? That, that's, I guarantee you he would have been the first in line to do that had he grown up in a different uh, generation, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about perspective, yeah. I think. So, yeah. yeah. Man, no, I hate to say no. he's grumpy old man, but he is totally. No, look, it, it's <laughs> he's even, 72. It's, he can be. Yeah. He can be. I know. I hate he's, that. That's he's sad. welcome to do it. But. He, even like I read, I, I saw the the headlines multiple, a thousand times on Twitter. And when you actually read the story, I was like, he doesn't sound as angry or grumpy as that, you know, as that tweet, as that headline makes him out to be. You get what he's saying. It's just, I just think anything that is um, exclusionary in policy, especially when right. it comes to something like the Oscars, is just a is a bad something policy. like but subjective he, art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just it's it's a bad. It, it's just. I get what he's saying. He just lives in a world where he he loves the theater. He loves the cinema and he wants people to experience that. And I feel I understand that. I feel that way too. I just think it's a loss. It's it, the battle's over at this point. Like we are going, you know, we're we're heading to the place where as we've said for years where your local Cineplex has four movies and they're all 300 million dollar blockbuster movies and everything else uh, you got to watch at home or find one of the art house theaters and you know, it's that will be fine. We'll figure it out. We'll, we'll understand how to do it. But I get that, that there's, there's something lost there for sure. And, but that's how, I mean, that's how culture works. We progress, we regress at our definition of what is good and what is, you know, changes. Sure. And that's, that's just kind of the way that it goes, but you can't, I certainly, like it would shock me more if Steven Spielberg came out if the headline had been Steven Spielberg says all movies should be on Netflix immediately. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like it just that's not um what he's <laughs> he's built to, to be and that's okay, you know. That's a good point. Okay. You want to do Captain Marvel now? Yeah. Let's hit it. All right. Take this pink ribbon off my eyes. I'm exposed and it's no big All right, it's Captain Marvel time, and joining us to talk Captain Marvel is one of my good friends and noted MCU apologist. He's kind of the opposite of Batman Shane, which is what you want in a friend, I would say. No, just kidding. We love you, Batman Shane. We need balance. We need balance in the force. We do. Mm -hmm. And uh, Vision Jonathan, there you go. Um, (laughs) 
<laughs> the best character in the MCU. I would say. I yeah. was really personally hoping for Scarlet Jonathan, but oh, I will because take of Johansson. Jonathan. That would have been uh, that would have been more clever. But Richard, hey, let's leave clever. the jokes to me. So yeah, exactly. okay, man. Like. <laughs> well, uh, Jonathan Lally is joining us. Um, he is from the West Coast, and this guy. I'm not kidding you. I've been friends with this guy for over a decade, but. I'm not kidding you. He's he's texting me once a week for at least two years uh, asking about Captain Marvel episode and when we could talk Captain Marvel. So he's ready for this. Um, saw the movie a couple of days uh, before I got to see it. And so I know he's um, anticipating this a lot, but we got to put you through the ringer, Jonathan. Uh, we, we can't let you get out of here easy. So start you off with a tough one. Have you seen Now You See Me? Huh, um, I have seen Now You See Me. Uh, pre uh, what pre to, our what podcast to, or or on your own volition, which would be uh, two different things. So it's actually a combination of the two. Or? I, I <laughs> so it was a, a something that my mother had recommended a few years ago, and uh, typically with Former my mother, mother, it's a yeah. grab bag of when it's reliable. Yeah, it and, is. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, I had I seen like that, yeah. bits and pieces of it, but um, just for the purpose of this podcast, so I could ring in with uh absolute positivity and and uh truth i have now watched the entire movie oh nice you can see me well you've passed (laughs) the first test and the second test thoughts and or uh opinions on mcgruber mcgruber related (laughs) properties um I've never seen the MacGruber movie. Oh, man. I, you were so I close like, to being on this episode. It's Will Forte, yeah, right? So, Will yeah. Forte? Yeah, yeah. Good. Hey, great job. What's your, uh, let's throw out a Twitter handle or something we can follow you on Twitter and appreciate, just go ahead and give the, uh, oh, it's, give the uh, movie a letter grade and we'll talk to you later, man. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that bit. Well, too. in that Very case, much. I'll just, uh, I'll make a shot in the dark. But yeah, no, I, I like Will Forte. I, I, um, I have not seen MacGruber, but I, I liked the short-lived Last Man on Earth. Um, yes. So I like him, but I, I have not not been tempted to uh, rent old you MacGruber on I'm actually Apple jealous. TV. I'm, I'm, imagine <laughs> seeing MacGruber for the first time. I mean, <laughs> I remember my first time. I think you guys do, too. It was great. Well, not everybody's was great. Mine was great. Um, okay. Having said that. Captain Marvel talk. Um, I know you've read the kind of backstory comics, um, Jonathan. So talk to me a little bit about your anticipation going into this. Why were you so hyped on it going into it? Um, you know, so it's funny. I, I only recently started reading comics again and actually picked up a run of this comic. I don't know, about five, six months ago, maybe longer, uh, at the local comic shop down, down my street and just said, you know, what's, something that I could read to kind of prepare for the movie. I'm, I'm interested. And, uh, they gave me this run that, uh, I later found out was actually, I I believe the main inspiration of what the directors and the writers pulled from for the movie, uh, Kelly Sue DeConnick, I believe is her name. Um, and Mm -hmm. I believe she, I don't know if she writes the story or, uh, does some of the art as well, but it was her and someone else. Um, and I picked up their run, but I think the thing that excited me most about the movie in general was the fact that Brie Larson's just an incredible actress. I loved her in room and Scott Pilgrim. And, uh, I believe she was in 21 jump street too, but, um, Mm -hmm. I've just always really enjoyed her work and, uh, it would be, you know, it was just nice to know that, uh, the first 
I guess, solo film for a woman in this uh, universe is being led by a Oscar award-winning actress. Um, I didn't realize this, but I guess uh, Robert Downey Jr. is also a, a Academy Award winner. I didn't even realize that, but um, is he? Yeah. Maybe I think he was nominated for the Chaplin movie. I'm trying to think. That's what. That's what. They, that's what my my parents were telling me because I had actually when I <laughs> in a second viewing went with my folks and uh, I was I saying know. the same thing. I was like, you know, and the other reason. Um, your mom's led you astray <laughs> twice tonight already, man. Yeah. <laughs> Nominated, not not a winner. Yeah, he's okay. Yeah, I'm, he's glad, not, I'm glad. I'm yeah, glad. Don't, don't, don't bring that so, in here. Yeah. Don't bring that week. Chop it up too. He's so got, it's he's good. Got two nods, two noms. Though. That's really only oh, two. I didn't wow. even know he got. I, I guess he realize. was in jail for like. Nine years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, Gothica so I, didn't get nominated? What? <laughs> I thought he'd get it for his album at Beale season, but... <laughs> what was that movie he did with Zach Galifianakis when they're doing the road trip? Oh, uh, across oh the gosh. Yeah, I think it was called the... Uh, yeah, that the bad I was really excited for that. It was really good, apparently. What was it called? Yeah, very... Uh, it was uh, like... Due date? Uh, was it due date? Oh, I think it, yeah, it was. It might it have was. been due date because isn't like date. Robert Downey yeah. Jr.'s yeah, wife date. in yep. the movie That's like the having a kid? Yeah, yeah. it's twenty yeah, ten. So, so I guess yeah, I guess even that makes it even more exciting for the fact that you know she's, I believe, the only Oscar nominated and winning oh, actress winning. In, in yeah Oscar winning uh, actors, excuse me, in in a role uh, in a lead role for an MCU movie because I know that they have all sorts of other amazing people that are supporting cast, but I don't mm-hmm. believe I believe this is their first uh, Oscar Oscar award winning actor in in a lead for the movie, so that was pretty exciting. But yeah, I just overall really like Brie Larson and um, was really excited to kind of see where they were going to take phase four of the MCU. And, and obviously she's going to be a huge ginormous part of that. Absolutely. What, uh, what about you, Brian? What was your anticipation going into this uh, before we hit general thoughts on Captain Marvel? Did you have any background on it at all? No, not really. Um, the, I don't, you know, I'm not a big comic reader. Sometimes I'll, I've got our friend Ariel, who's a, a friend of the show and does geek one one and uh, my, my closest friend growing up, Daniel, uh, both are big comic guys. And so occasionally as we approach a, uh, a big comic book movie, I, I may ask them for suggestions on a, on a run or a, a graphic novel that can give me some background on it. I didn't have time to do that this time. So I wasn't, so I have very little familiarity with, with the, uh, the material, the source material or the character or, or any of that. Um, just kind of the, the basics of, um, what we'd seen from the trailers, what we had heard around the old rumor mill and, and, uh, and that's about it. So, I, but I was pumped. I was excited. I, I like Brie Larson quite a bit. I, I like, uh, I like that we've now gotten to the point where we can set movies in the nineties and have them be nostalgic. Um, that's <laughs> nice. Cause you know, eighties nostalgia is fun, but nineties nostalgia sounds better. I don't know. I, 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 uh, so I like that. It doesn't seem like that has been, uh, used too much. So I was kind of pumped for that as well. And, uh, and yeah, just the, the whole, all the stuff pertaining to this movie looked good, sounded good. Um, and I was, I was, I was pretty excited about it, but having very little real background on, on the material going in for sure. Yeah. Richard, any, uh, thoughts going in before we hit general thoughts here? (laughs) Of course not. (laughs) 
um, no, I didn't know what this was at all. I mean, I knew, uh, <laughs> I knew, uh, they didn't cover, uh, <laughs> they didn't cover Captain Marvel in the latest Hemingway. You know, you would, I don't read Hemingway. <laughs> Anymore. It's Come always on. my go-to. I don't know <laughs> I don't why. Know, I, just, no, I thought I was no. the only person that noticed that too, but yeah, um, they, they picked up on that. <laughs> You're exclusively no, Reader's Digest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> only Reader's that's, Digest. That's Reader's Bible. Digest and old Harper's, but from the late 70s. <laughs> um, no, the – the uh, I didn't know at all what this was. I remember this took a while. There was rumors of it. Captain Marvel was coming, I would see things. I sort of follow the movie industry. So once it transitions from comic world to movie world, I, I kind of passively. And then I, I, I mean, stupidly and, and thankfully I was like, Oh, Captain Marvel is a woman. That's cool. I mean, I obviously protested and picked the streets for a while, but I came around. <laughs> right. I came around eventually. And, uh, 1400 <laughs> bots on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Immediately. <laughs> Immediately. Obviously. Just my go-to. <laughs> Show us God. where Brie Larson hit you on the doll. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> just like the cheese, she stinks. Richard. Bunn. <laughs> just a lot of those reviews. Um, but, so, not Captain, not so marvelous, Richard Martin. Yeah. <laughs> Did you know that Shazam is the original Captain Marvel? And that oh, is what I, will be supporting. I was going to say, Batman Shane would have chimed in by now and be like, oh, actually, uh, Shazam is Captain Marvel that you're thinking of. The That's not bad, Batman Shane. I can't do a voice that deep. It's hard. Can't do it. Can't do it. Like, that's, I sound like, uh, hey, boo boo. It's like Yogi Bear or something. <laughs> That's um, my Shane. I do. I yeah. just do Yogi Bear mostly. Uh, so yeah, I didn't know. And then when I saw, was, then Brie Larson was kind of rumored for a long time before she was announced officially. And then uh, there's the scene in the last Avengers movie, and I was like, okay, cool. This is uh, gonna be a thing. And as someone who doesn't have any rooting interest in the comic book movie world, I I do trust Marvel. Their movies are good more than they're not by quite an astounding ratio. It's like six to one or something. So. Uh, you know, there's a lot of there was a lot of trust going in, and I wasn't I wasn't disappointed. She's great, and uh, I love. This is right. I'm perfect wheelhouse for it, as a lot of things are now. They're kind of made for my generation for the next four years because we newly have money, kind of. We have jobs and stuff, and so hmm. the '90s is, you know, all the annoying '80s stuff ten years ago. Now will be '90s stuff to everyone, and that's well. Oh, look, there's a blockbuster and. Look, a mall rat script and all that good stuff, and <laughs> and that's all enjoyable to me. So I I was I I enjoyed that quite a bit. Yeah, 2013 was uh, the, the development started for Captain Marvel mm-hmm. the movie. 2014, they uh, got into pre-production and made the actual announcement that it was happening, and didn't cast Brie Larson until after she won the Oscar. And uh, didn't actually start filming this until January of 2018, if you can believe it, um, which is just about a little over a year ago at this point, um, which is crazy how fast they can turn these things around. But I was kind of blown away, uh, just to get into general thoughts, at the scale of this movie and what they accomplished with this um, in terms of trying to reset the MCU for the next couple of movies. They're starting the wheels that are in motion, uh, obviously uh, for that to happen here over the next few movies, starting with this. And um, of course, Endgame game and, and uh, 
Spider-Man coming in June. And so after all that stuff, um, I was kind of wondering what they were going to do with this. Was this going to be a straight origin story? Was this going to be more isolated? Was this going to take place in kind of conjunction with uh, some events we've seen, or was it going to be flashbacky mainly in the nineties? Or was it going to take place in present day with flashbacks? Cause I'd seen kind of the nostalgia stuff um, floating around, uh, you know, how heavy was it going to rely on nostalgia versus planning its own roots and telling its own story? Um, I was very, very interested to see where, what direction they were going to go. And I was surprised at, I mean, this is a, this is an origin story for Captain Marvel, for Brie Larson. This is a, an origin story for the Avengers. This is an origin backstory for Nick Fury. This is an origin backstory for Agent Coulson. This sets up the, you know, scroll Cree whole war scenario that we're probably going to be focused on post Thanos, I would imagine. And, um, it sets the wheels in motion for that in, in more tangible light than we've seen. We've, you know, seen hints of it in guardians and things like that. And, um, now we see that that's definitely the direction they're going now that, you know, when we, when we speculated that during guardians and you know, they're going to go galactic with, with this from, from now on, that's, that's the direction. Uh, it seems like we're right. And it's just amazing to me. And I guess we could start on this note of 21st Marvel film as the first movie with a woman to lead you would have thought after, hey, we've done 14 of these guys. Uh, I think we could do one with, a, with you know, I think we can uh, we can do a, a female-led movie. Um, I think the timing was, was obviously right. This movie crushed um, this past weekend. It, it broke records. and um, But it's just amazing that it's taken this long for a movie this good. And it's surprising that nobody thought this would work if anyone did, because um, obviously the audiences flock to the theaters to see it, even on a character as as little known as Captain Marvel and a an actress as little known as Brie Larson. And she is still somewhat an unknown. I know she did win an actress, but she was in Room, which wasn't that big of a movie. And she's done some smaller stuff. So I would say this is her coming out party, you know, if Emily Blunt had done this or something, we'd have kind of already known her or Jennifer Lawrence or somebody like that. We would have, it would have definitely had more star power, um, feel to it opening weekend than a Brie Larson. But nonetheless, she, um, she brought everything to this and this just movie was all over the place, man. It was, um, <laughs> I, it totally falls kind of in the middle of me for me, for, uh, in terms of MCU movies. Um, it has its highlights. It has its lowlights. It has its um, emotion. It has its humor. It has um, its characters that it introduces that you want to see more of. It has its characters that you never want to see again. Some you never will see again. Um, it has some eye rolling moments. It has moments that you don't know why you stayed for the post credit scene. <laughs> uh, things like that and. You know, it kind of hit all the marks that you would assume you would hit in an MCU movie, and not much more than that, in my opinion, as a movie. Um, I think it does highlight Brie Larson. It it highlights where we're going to go from here. I think she is a great hero. I think, you know, if you're if you're um, taking Black Panther and this and Spider Man, and you're saying, all right, these three are going to be our next triumvirate of heroes, I'm all in on that for the next MCU. And then you sprinkle in the Guardians here and there, and X-Men or Deadpool or whatever you decide to do. 
But I, I, I'm all in on that. And I think that, that could be very bankable for them going forward. So, um, so yeah, I, I, I was kind of middle of the road on this when it came, um, came, came down to it on my, as, in terms of review, but, um, I'm excited to see this one again. I'll probably see this one again this weekend. Um, since nothing's really coming out, but after I see wonder park, then I will definitely see <laughs> captain Marvel, um, again. And I'm excited to do that. Um, because there's a lot, a lot of, like I said, um, origin in here for future movies. And I'm sure stuff we're going to have to pay attention to whether we want to or not. But, um, yeah, that's kind of where I fall in general thoughts. Um, let's go with Brian to start off general other than me. Go ahead. Yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was good. Uh, I'm with you, Ken. I'm, I'm not, I'm probably not as high on it as, uh, it seems like the, the, the group that is really into this. I, it's probably, you know, it's probably lower for me, lower tier of the MCU movies, but I, I would say that that speaks as much to the strength of, of these movies as it does to the weakness of this. Like, I, I think it's a, I think it's a, a solid, good, fine film with some real highs. I don't, it's, it's strange. I, I kind of came out not, I didn't have a whole lot of real lows to highlight or, or to, to pick on or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It just, it seemed like maybe the, um, I don't know, the degree of difficulty was a little lesser just in terms of what is being accomplished in the script. The story is kind of a little convoluted. I just didn't think it was that tight as far as uh, the writing and the direction. I thought, I, thought, I thought she was great, and I really enjoyed her not part of Star Force. Um, it's kind of like uh, the opposite of, of Man of Steel where – you know, those opening sequences with Russell Crowe on Krypton are by far the best part of the movie. I thought the the opening, whatever, 20 minutes or so of her on uh, mm-hmm. with the with the Kree or whatever is is the weakest part of the movie. So it starts off kind of on a, a meh note and then it gets going from there. When she's having fun, when her character is having fun, I think the movie's at its best. And so that increases as as the film goes and uh i thought she did a very good job with it i you know sam jackson was was uh was pretty good i you know he they handed him some some rough dialogue in parts and that's not his fault but i don't think his delivery was super great on some of it so i i think the movie is good i enjoyed it i'll watch it many many more times i'm sure my son loved it um it was a good theater experience i like where I, I kind of like the foundation that it has laid for where this character is going to go, where the MCU is going to go post Avengers or post Thanos or whatever you want to say. Um, and so that's all good. It does feel very rudimentary and uh, it, it feels like the, the kind of the early standalone Marvel movies. I'd, I'd put this on par with Thor and Ant-Man and most of the, uh, you know, most of those movies that are, that are solid, that are fun, that, that, you know, my kid and I rewatch pretty, uh, repetitively, but that aren't to, to me, aren't to the, uh, the level of something like Black Panther or, uh, Ragnarok or the, you know, the, the Avengers movies or Winter Soldier or something like that. But I think it's a very good starting point for the character and introduction. And I'd be, you know, I'd be thrilled to go back and see Captain Marvel two, three, four, five, you know, and, and just keep moving on down the list. But I don't think that it's, 
I would be shocked if this is has the impact as far as just the award circuit goes. You know what I mean? Or the oh, yeah. uh moving forward as something like and that's fine. Like these movies aren't supposed to uh aren't supposed to all be that way. I just don't think that it is quite as good as some of the best of of the series. But again, that's as much about the MCU as it is um as it, here's what I thought and this is this is my last thing and then I'll pass it on. I watching this, I thought Man, if Shazam is as good as this is, I will feel like that's a massive uh, success for DC and for Shazam, and I'll feel a little bit disappointed in Captain Marvel. Does that make sense? Like, it just mm-hmm. doesn't seem like it's quite up to par with some of the other MCU movies, but it would be, <laughs> at worst, the second best in the DC movies. And I think this is kind of the, the vibe that Shazam is going for as we look at it, you know, three weeks out or whatever. So anyway, that's me. So you hate women. I'll have you, I'll have you down for <laughs> Obviously. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I've Making got, sure. uh, I've, yeah, I've got 20,000 bots putting that cool. on the internet as we speak. Cool. Thank God. <laughs> All right, Richard. Um, yeah, no, this is, uh, this, this was fun. I, I enjoyed this. I teased a little bit when I'm kind of in general thoughts, but yeah, no, I like this quite a bit. I, I, I'm with you, Brian, the, these Marvel movies all are in two camps. Like some of them are, are better the darker they get. Some are, or I guess it's all superhero movies. Some are better the lighter they get. And it's just where their comfort is as a character or with the, how the filmmakers work or whatever. Uh, this one certainly works better the lighter that it is. Kind of like an Iron Man movie or I think mm-hmm. the Thor movies especially re- work really well as really light things. Um, so those those sequences and and some are rather long, those stretches of the film uh, really pop it are fun and are everything popcorn entertainment is supposed to be. And I love mm-hmm. a good movie star performance, especially from a, someone who, like you said, can't, we know and as a great actress and as someone who obviously has won an Academy Award, but not someone we know as a movie star yet. These are two different things. And these, you know, you throw on a Cape and suddenly it's a whole different ball game. Mm-hmm. Ask Mr. Tony. Uh, but <laughs> the, <laughs> Or my parole officer, um, but the uh, just no, a misunderstanding. The, just. Totally a misunderstanding. I should have worn something other than the cape. I know that now. <laughs> Thank you for your leniency life, to the court. Life is all about learning. <laughs> yeah. you know? It's a journey. It's still, it's still, it's still uh, flashing <laughs> with a cape. It's huge. It got as close. Look, no, the cape. I bought the cape, and it wasn't clear on the packaging that I needed to wear other things. Now, is that mm-hmm. my fault? Mm-hmm. Or do I assume I'm wearing right. clothes? Yeah, you know, right. that's it's anyway. The, it's and, Cape Company's fault. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Like, they hey, spell everything out. Clearly you know, yeah. yeah. They take and our straws away, but they don't right. spell out that I have to wear a right. cape. Like, right. which one it, is it? It'll make for a nice redemption story when you win an Oscar for directing a movie next year. You know, it'll be good. It'll be good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, <laughs> heartwarming. <laughs> the. <laughs> no, this is a. Uh, this. This movie, yeah, it is a little all over the place. It's it's the only Marvel movie to me, and I'm looking at it now, like five story writers and like three screenplay credits on it. Mm. Uh, and it feels like that. You know, it feels like a kind of a, a puzzle they've put together as opposed to a, a little more cohesive. There's a few other Marvel movies that are like that. Every DC movie is like that. Uh, it kind of reeks of studio note, notes and stuff, and sometimes for the better and sometimes for the worse. But on the whole... I won't say anything that hasn't already been said. I'd love to hear you guys that are a little more nuanced and in comic bookery uh, talk about it more because it's really interesting. And I'm interested 
So this plays in now to obviously into Avengers and how we think, not necessarily narratively how that's going to work, but what's her role in Avengers going forward? Is it, she's kind of the new leader, right? Isn't that kind of what happens from that's, my understanding? That's pretty much how I interpret it. I imagine yeah. that she'll take over for Steve Rogers and, okay. uh, you know, I would imagine the way I see it is that she will be the new Steve Rogers and that we'll probably get a combination of Black Panther and uh, Shuri being the new Tony Stark. They've got the tech, right? Um, I don't know where Spider-Man fits in that equation and, you know, whoever from the original Avengers team gets left over after Endgame. But, uh, yeah, I would imagine that she's going to be the new leader. Yeah, the uh, uniform is it's definitely reminiscent of Captain America, and I can see yeah. that uh, void being filled for sure by her. Um, so as a movie, you know, I'll talk a little bit about kind of some of the beats of it. Um, but Lally, where did you fall on general thoughts on this in terms you know, of where it fell for you? It's really funny. Like, honestly, it, it was pretty much, and you know, for everything I loved about it, I'd probably rank it in the middle, you know, out of, uh, it actually took me getting on that service you told me about. It was a letterbox and, and, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, ranking all of the movies. Um, but I, I think that it definitely, you know, when you mentioned it, it definitely feels disjointed at points. Um, the the pros, though, I mean, like the overall pros is that I thought Brie Larson killed it. I think there's, honestly, I still believe that there is no one that could have done it better. Um, I know a lot of people had like their own ideas. Besides and Kate McKinnon, of- or just are you? <laughs> or- <laughs> Um, I think okay, that Kate McKinnon, Captain in Marvel, Cla- but she's weird. Do you Whoa, feel like hold on, I'm with you? Hold on. Let's <laughs> break this down a little more. <laughs> I think that Kate McKinnon in classic Kate McKinnon form could do a better Brie Larson impression than Brie Larson could. But at the same time, I, yeah, I definitely, I'm going to have to just say that, part, though, for sure. yeah, um, I, I do that. think that, that Brie just edges her out a little bit. So, um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, overall I felt, you know, the same way, like I felt, it's good in terms of origin stories. I think that the only real origin story, and I'm talking about person that we hadn't seen before. I don't really count Black Panther, even though I do hold that as like the only other origin story that I felt was so strong. But Iron Man is really like the only origin story I think we've gotten that has been like, okay, without a doubt, my favorite. Like I put Hulk at the bottom. I put Captain America after uh iron man and then thor begrudgingly over over hulk um but yeah there's definitely parts where it's like kind of struggling to find its footing like are we going to be a humorous movie are we going to be serious and then it ended up kind of feeling like a lukewarm you know just like midsection between those two um Mm -hmm. which was you know it was all right it did it did fine um i really liked uh, I, I really like Lashana Lynch, the woman who played uh, uh, Maria, Maria Rambo. I thought she was fantastic. I'd never seen her in anything before, but now I'm totally going to be on the lookout for other stuff that she does. Um, gosh, I, you know, I don't want to go like, I don't know for if we go into like the more detailed stuff, but like, I definitely felt like there was some missed opportunities and some stuff that even though I am like definitely a fan at my core and I love this type of stuff in certain settings, Maybe it's just that I'm like watch so many of these movies at this point, but certain things felt either unnecessary or missed opportunity or just 
flat out fan service. You know, it's just, uh, and we can go into those details later, but like, I, I overall very much enjoyed it. I mean, I like the jokes that they did have. I like the reveals that we did get. Um, not like, like I said, not everything was necessary, but overall I really enjoyed it. I think I, Oh, and one more thing I should mention, uh, someone had mentioned that they weren't really a huge fan of her time with star force. And I completely agree. I thought mm. that stuff was rather boring. And it honestly, like star force in general, didn't really do a whole lot for me. Um, I thought Jude Law did a fine job. It wasn't the acting or any of the people that they picked for it. Just overall, I, you know, we had such a short amount of time with them and then got them again at the end. But um, I definitely think that she is going to shine even more so when she's with the Avengers and, you know, playing off of other people that are kind of pulling the same amount of weight as her. Um, in Star Force, you know, she was obviously the most powerful one. Uh, and I just felt like, it, it kind of made their time together a little less significant as far as the plot went. But uh, overall, overall, like I, I pretty much echo what everyone else has said. I, I, I feel like it was good, but it definitely tried to figure out if it was funny or serious and kind of just ended up being in the middle. And that was fine. Um, and also I loved the de-aging. Like it was seamless. I couldn't even tell that Samuel yeah. L. Jackson, like it was, yeah, that was it amazing. was pretty incredible. I, I, was... I didn't, I was pretty blown. Up. Uh, I I it's couldn't figure out if it was CG or makeup or what, and on yeah. Agent Coulson too. That was yeah, yeah. both of them. Yeah, the, the technology is finally there. Yeah, yeah, it was impressive. But overall, yeah, I, I liked it, and I'm excited what it sets up. Uh, not just for her character, but for you know the MCU at large. Uh, you know the expanded the expanded universe of what we're going to get from this. So it, it was good. Yeah, um, to echo some of the stuff about the Star Force. Um, and the scrolls specifically, um, a lot of that just felt like, you know, a reboot of Star Trek or something, uh, you know, pacing and it, with the nineties yeah. feel thrown in, it did have a throwback feel to this entire movie, but you add that stuff in and it felt even more, um, sci-fi than it did comic mm -hmm. book. And would that make them like Vulcan a bad something thing. like that? You know what I thought this movie should have been? is it should have just followed the template of a Thor. Um, uh, you know, Wonder Woman followed the template. I think I thought Wonder Woman was much better origin than this. Um, you know, you really, you really miss in the first 20 minutes, a good opportunity for, for some world building for Captain Marvel. And a lot of it's done in flashbacks. They have some flashbacks when she was younger. Um, a little bit of stuff in the, when she's in the service is, is highlighted, but, um, I thought this movie should have been and copied the template of Thor where it's just the fish out of water. She is from somewhere else or goes back to the future or whatever and um, doesn't know where she is and discovers her powers. And then it's just like this all powerful being in this in this world where everybody's discovering her powers. I thought it was going to be more of that it was so much more political than I had anticipated so much more talky than I had anticipated. And don't get me wrong. There are some really memorable um, set pieces that carry their weight pretty good. And they're, like I said, memorable. Um, but the stuff in between, it just takes so long to get there. Uh, the pacing on this was pretty bad, um, as bad as it's been in Marvel. But I think the highs are so much higher and the charisma of Brie Larson carries it through that um, a lot of that stuff is overlooked. 
And that's fine. You know, I'm willing to overlook a lot of that stuff if there are things that make up for that. And with this, a lot of times there were. But um, let's talk about that freaking cat. How about that? Uh, <laughs> that flurkin cat? The, yeah. Ah, uh, see what I did there? The MVP. Um, I love that edition uh, from the comics and everything. And uh, this is the perfect movie to have a cat sidekick. And I'm excited for a goose rocket Groot movie that can someday happen <laughs> and uh, should happen, I think. But, uh, I had, but I, yeah. I, I had written down that I would love to see a Fury uh fury uh, uh flurkin buddy cop fury movie. goose buddy cop yeah. that would be <laughs> yeah. funny yeah cat doesn't do anything just just is the muscle this uh, brian can you echo the stuff maybe of this felt a little bit like a star trek discovery yeah. meets agents of shield mm-hmm. episode yeah that's <laughs> exactly what with I thought, like an all powerful yeah. being of no. Relar. you know yeah no i'm with you that's uh, literally that's why i i thought this is the this is like the best episode of Star Trek ever, you know? <laughs> which, which is fine. Like I'm not, I don't, I don't mean that as an, as an insult. That's I why love my parents loved it. That you, yeah, you oh, actually totally, cracked totally. it. They're huge Trekkies and they <laughs> actually, I, I was expecting them like every other movie to kind of be like, eh, you know, whatever, Jonathan, this is, this is not for us. And then my dad of all people was like, I really enjoyed that. I can't wait to see more of her. And like, you know, this is a yeah. guy that I'm not, anticipating to sit through a three hour movie. He'll probably watch Avengers Endgame on, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the comfort of his own couch. But, uh, yeah, I, I think you really nailed it. It really did feel like the most high budget Star Trek episode, you know, ever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, that's, that's how I, that's how I felt in. So I, it's, and that, again, that's fine. I was not upset with that at all. There's nothing in this movie that upset me. Um, I just, at all, I, it was mostly very enjoyable. It just, I, I think it's kind of struggled in its more galactic elements, which is where Guardians and uh, Ragonk and some of the other stuff <laughs> actually really works well, and that's why those that's part of why those movies are are uh, as well thought of as they are is because they they kind of nail those out of this world elements, and those are the harder things to do. And whereas this, to be fair, this this movie's not about those elements really, and so. It's just you know they got the earthbound stuff done really well and and some of the not earth stuff were was okay or maybe a little worse in places and and you know it was it was fine i I thought that uh I would have liked i think that the supporting work was not properly utilized. I know a lot of people were pumped about annette benning i I thought she seemed out of place in the same way that I felt like. Nicole Kidman kind of felt out of place in Aquaman. It just, I don't know. There was a strangeness to those pieces. Even Jude Law, I think, and and you touched on Jonathan, like it, he wasn't given a, his scenes are not great and there wasn't given a whole lot to work with, but he seemed odd at times too. So I think when the movie was on Captain Marvel, when it was on, uh, when it was on, uh, 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 excuse me, Fury, and when it was on Talos, it yeah. works pretty well, man, and and at times really, really well. And then the you know the other stuff is is hard to do, and that's fine. Like that's not if you're gonna get one part of it right, you'd rather have the leads right than the supporting characters, you know. And I don't think they were the supporting work was bad. I just didn't think it felt they felt like an afterthought 
rather than sort of core to the telling of this story to me. Oh, and uh, and that's yeah. a you know that's fine. That to be honest, I mean, can't you kind of touched on the pacing that some of that you could maybe and and Richard, you said all the various screenwriters involved with this and stuff. You could kind of you could probably put some of that at the feet of uh, a pair of directors who have never worked in this kind of world before. I've never been. I like the the movies that uh, that Anna Boden and and Ryan Fleck have done previously, but those are completely different kinds of movies. And sometimes it's hard to figure out how to do this kind of movie. This is just a different thing. And I, you know, there's there's points in the movie where I felt like you could kind of feel, man, a a, a, a maybe a more experienced hand would have done that a little smoother. Would have made that a little tighter. Would have kind of focused a little bit more here and yeah. there but but i you know i don't think it's any i don't think any of it was bad i just think it it was okay. not all of it was great <laughs> yeah it just yeah. it just didn't hit on every on every level as one of the, might have wanted i guess one of the things i'd want to touch on just because you had mentioned supporting cast like i felt like some stuff was just utterly wasted and you know i felt like i personally am a huge fan of lee pace i don't know if any of you've ever seen halt and catch fire but he's Mm -hmm. a fantastic actor i thought he did a good job with ronan the accuser and in guardians of the galaxy given what he had to work with and i was kind of honestly i was hoping to see what made him defect you know what made him and he was just kind of like shoehorned into the show you know, he's just kind of yeah. like there, you know, it's like, yeah. okay, is it's, he an extremist? Cause he wants to use these bombs at the yeah. end or like what's going on. I think that was kind of a missed opportunity. I thought that Jude law, as you said earlier, it's just like, you know, he did what he, what he came to do with what he had to work with. And, um, I thought that, you know, you're right. Annette Benny now kind of looking back, it feels like she's, you know, she wasn't awful by any stretch, but it just felt a little out of place from the moment she opened her mouth. <laughs> like yeah. that first line was just like, mm, I don't know, but it was, and, and, and one more thing about the Supreme intelligence is, and, and I should mention, you know, even though I'd read the comics just from this one run, this is my only experience with the character. I just kind of wanted to know more about her going in, but in the comics, Supreme intelligence is like this weird kind of looking brain with, all looks sorts like the crag from yeah, Ninja literally Turtles. looks like yeah. crag from Ninja Turtles, and like that scene, I called because I had seen uh, early reactions, and they had mentioned using Nirvana, and I was like, how great would that be if they use "Come as You Are," and it ends up being the scene where like you see the Supreme Intelligence as this really fugly looking, creepy thing, and it was just like wasted. Um, that was, you know, one of my harsher, I guess, gripes with the movie is that some of the supporting cast and like other places that were opportunities to be really awesome reveals or what have you were just kind of wasted. But overall, the good things like, you know, it was mentioned earlier that like the really good things kind of lifted those up. Yeah, there's a scene with Tal- uh, Talos in his scroll form and Captain Marvel and Fury that's like, brutal it is like seven minutes long and it's just dialogue and it's mendelson just mendelsoning uh through the makeup and it's it's pretty rough but um but that was talking about where he sips the soda yeah it's the only time (laughs) where they're all three like on the ship and they're like talking to each other and he's explaining basically he's basically laying out that um 
the the scroll the scrolls and crees don't always have to be fighting, you know, or that it wasn't a fight to begin with, and that what's her name was actually helping them um, instead of deflecting them. But I'm I'm just like you see you, you mentioned with uh, Bennett Benning, like that's just another thing. It's just another like it's like plot line F of this movie. Like if you were to draw them all out on a graph, right? It's like, um, I kind of see how it has to do with the origin of Captain Marvel, but, um, but yeah, it's just one more, one more thing to follow. I really liked Jude Law in this. Um, I didn't know he was in this and wasn't expecting it, but when he showed up, I was like, okay, I'm kind of into this. And I was kind of wondering where they were going to go with it, but, uh, it was definitely different. In the comic books, and I don't, you know, don't quote me, but I had read, I had read that Jan Rog is a much more vicious, unlikable person in the comic books, and obviously, they can't translate all of what I, I, I'm understanding was going on with him in the comics into a PG-13 movie. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Um, but really. yeah, yeah, and this is just I, like I said. Don't quote me, but I had read some stuff that like some of the some of the character in the comics of Jan Rog is just. Not not cool, um, and probably wouldn't fly by today's standards. Kind of rapey. It was, yeah, a little. <laughs> oh, okay. a little yeah, <laughs> and, and, and like I said, I'm going to need to go look this up afterwards. But I, I'd yeah. seen it on like a. It was one of the things I didn't follow up with. But uh, another thing is that you know everyone was talking about <clears throat> you know because in classic Disney and Marvel form, everything was kept shrouded in secrecy down to like anyone's names besides certain people and um everyone was talking about how he was going to be marvell everyone was under the assumption jude law was marvell and it was i just figured i knew early on that that wasn't going to be the case because marvell in the comics is a good person and uh there was also a huge rumor going around that that ended up being absolutely nothing but i I don't know if you know who hunter Parrish is he was the uh, oldest son on weeds he was mm. he's in the movie. I think he's like in one of the flash like the really quick flashback scenes of her in the bar or like her with her male counterparts in in the Air Force. Um but there was huge rumor going around that he was Marvel and you know classic Disney uh fud everything's everything's out there mm-hmm. to distract and uh yeah, I, I thought I thought I thought he you know Jude Law did a good job with what he had to work with um but yeah, overall some of the supporting cast could have been better utilized and, and uh, Talos. Uh, oh, that was what I wanted to mention. Talos, you know, it's so many of these movies, they have like not very effective villains. You know, that's kind of one of the things people always go back to with Marvel movies is that they're villain, you know, aside from Thanos, Loki and, and uh, Killmonger, I thought Killmonger was one of the most compelling vic- you know, villains mm-hmm. in not just a Marvel movie, but in recent yeah. movies, period. I thought he was he had so much backstory. I thought that, you know, the fact that, you know, this is what we got with Captain Marvel with with, I guess, even though technically Jude Law ended up being the bad guy and the Kree ended up being the bad guys. Talos ended up being so funny that it ended up making me not really care that he wasn't this big scary character you know he was just so silly that it ended up being like okay that's where we're going with this got it Mm -hmm. yeah it's a kind of a twist in a way Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but it's a good one um so i talked about the nostalgia a little bit um it's so funny because i was killing time before um seeing this movie 
and the only movie Showtime I could see was like a mall theater, right? Mm-hmm. And so I go in an H and M, like right by the theater, to go check out the like five day of these like five dollar T shirts or whatever. So I go in there, and I'm looking, and they have this T shirt. I almost took a picture of it and sent it to you guys, but it literally just said the word '90s on <laughs> on the shirt. It's like not, not even gonna try. <laughs> It's just like, you want shirts that are 90s-esque? All right, just throw the word 90s on it and, <laughs> and call it a day. Like, that's what I thought this movie going in. I was like, this is definitely a bad precursor to what I'm about to see, <laughs> where it's just throwing stuff at you. And I saw, you know, the, some of the stuff in the in the ads of the blockbuster and some of the music choices and things. I was like, okay, this could be a beating of nostalgia. And it, and it could overbear what could otherwise be a good movie. Um, but I didn't think it did. I thought they Same. walked the line pretty good. Um, they didn't rely on it as a, as a bit. I mean, there were a couple of jokes, like there's a Nerf gun joke. That's kind of, you know, there's there things like the, that. that the modem just, getting disconnected. Right. There know? are things like that that are thrown in there when she's like, uh, you know, on Yahoo chat or whatever it is. I don't even know. Um, but I mean, talking some of it's talking to Jonathan. Yeah, it's just just in a in chat rooms. She was in How's a, it going, Captain Marvel? In Canadian chat rooms and things on Yahoo chat um, ASL. But but I thought some of it was effective. Uh, I thought some of the music choices were effective. The Nirvana track definitely was um, me- memorable sequence where she's doing a fight sequence to I'm just a girl from no doubt. That's yeah, good. That banged. That yeah, was awesome. That was good. Um, and very, you could see that coming a mile away, obviously, but still, I think that worked really well. That was a cool, cool sequence. Cool setup on that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, um, and there's also a really memorable sequence. Uh, there's two actually one where the, where the, where the, I, here's what I do like about the scrolls. Uh, I'm not going to write them off. I do like the mission impossible, they can be anybody at any time and anybody can be anybody, you know, mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's like, you gotta, at some point in MCU move away from the hail Hydra, like everybody's Hydra, who is Hydra, who's not Hydra thing. Right. And I think this is going to be it. Like, um, the scrolls are going to like infiltrate and somebody's going to be scroll who you never knew was scroll or whatever that, uh, I think that's right. a really cool element that they're adding to these movies with this. But, um, but so, yeah, so, you know, I'm not I'm not completely out on that, but um, I thought there was another memorable scene, uh, the train sequence that I mentioned, where she is looking for the person. Um, I heard the director say that that's that's influenced by the French Connection train sequence. Mm. That they kind of copied it beat for beat, uh, and so that totally made sense to me going back. And where she fights the old lady, you know, the <laughs> scroll old lady. I think that was a memorable sequence, and also where they're trying to escape the room and um nick fury is fiddling around with like the scotch tape right and right. she just blows the door open i thought that was a, a fun uh sequence as well but yeah um, I, I will also say that that was my favorite stan lee cameo in recent memory just because the mall rats callback was... the the uh, callback to the callback to the callback that was a little yeah. too meta for me i was like okay <laughs> Same. I'm with you, Kent. <laughs> I uh, was like, okay, that's enough. I, but I, I think hate, that one. But, I think yeah. that one, and uh, him getting his car shrunk and Ant Man and the Wasp mm. was mm. one of my one. others. But yeah, I enjoyed I like the one it. where he was the strip good. club DJ. What was that? Iron Man two. <laughs> I think that was Iron Man two or Iron Man three. I like that. Um, here's chastity. That's what he's like. <laughs> his greatness. Um, uh, let's see here. 
Um, I liked the reveal of the cat having powers or being a flurkin or whatever it was. I like that. But here's something else, Brian. And I, and I wanted to ask you about this because this is one of our complaints with the DCEU. Mm-hmm. Besides the piss jars. Um, <laughs> That's the main good thing. <laughs> Superman. That, uh, I thought that was tea. <laughs> one of Superman's, one of the hardest things to sell about Superman in a movie is that he's all powerful and there's no stakes. Yeah. Yeah. There was a sequence in this, and I think it's the I'm just a girl sequence where mm-hmm. she, you know, pulls off the limiter on her uh, cheek or whatever it was that was right. limiting her, the Cree that the Cree put on her to limit her powers. Mm-hmm. And um, the I'm just a girl thing plays. And then she's, I wrote this down. Mario star powers. Like, you know, when Mario gets and she's just going around and killing everybody and is invincible for mm-hmm. like 10 minutes. That's basically yep. what it was. And so was that interesting? Like when, so, you know, somebody's right. all powerful and can shoot yeah. lasers out of their hands and stuff. Like, um, is that more interesting than a guy who built a contraption in a cave and got out because he's a genius and built this suit because he's a genius and <laughs> right. got rich. Because right. he's, you know, I think I thought that, you know, in terms of origin story, I agree, Jonathan. I think that's from minute one to minute forty-five. I think that's the best superhero origin maybe in on film ever. Yeah, um, it's but it definitely but yeah. set the bar. And, where, where, how did you feel, yeah. Brian, about that invincibility factor? Yes, you, it's. Yeah. I don't know what her power. I don't know if that's reflective what, of the comics or not what can um, kill her it's Anything? pretty much yeah it. it's no pretty much it, it. exactly that that's the thing it it is <laughs> she so look she's gonna be great to fight thanos right um but what do we do post thanos when she's like it's very smart to have her fly away to other sectors of the galaxy for uh 20 years because you know, how's Jeff Bridges from Iron Man going to fight her? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, who this is, this will be kind of pointless. There's no stakes there. So we got to see some limiting factors moving forward post, post Thanos. The other way you can combat that can't is, and this has been my deal with, with Superman is if the, if the hero has so much power that he or she, there's no stakes that there's no danger that you don't ever fear feel like there's a chance that he or she could lose you then have to at least have the character be interesting and fun and superman is not superman's not interesting superman's not fun especially the way he's been done on film uh in the snyderverse but i would mm-hmm. say even before that superman's just kind of a dullard and he just right. Not a lot of fun to watch. She's fun. She's Brie Larson's having the time of her life doing this this uh, character. You can tell that. I mean, that comes through the the screen very well. The character's enjoyable. It's it, she has that kind of um, I don't know that the kind of a blend between Peter Parker and Thor in a way of just kind of being uh, a little cocky and brash and sarcastic and and that, that's it's fun to watch that so that'll get you but through. also green you know also a little <laughs> right, green right right so, right so that'll get you through a couple of movies um but at some point we we do yeah you can't we got to have some limiting factors or 
it's not it it loses its you lose interest in it after a while when it's like yeah but then she just kills everybody so again for thanos she's hugely important obviously that's the whole freaking setup for this she's hugely important for the battle against thanos but what happens post uh end game when she does she just come back to earth and run the avengers well does she like does she just get bogged down in bureaucracy or like what happens to make her what's her downfall? Uh, yeah. What's right. the downfall? What's the stakes? What's the limiting factor? How do we make that um, interesting moving forward beyond her sparkling personality, which is very sparkling. And we'll, again, well, that'll get you through a movie or two, but it m- probably doesn't get you through three or four or five. At some point you got to have something that challenges her. Yeah. One of the thing, one of the things that I really pray to God that they don't adapt from the comic books and, <laughs> You know, if they do, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do it. But in the comic that I'm that I read, she lives in the crown of the uh, uh, Statue of Liberty. Mm. <laughs> oh, like that's her fortress. It was like straight up like Fortress of Solitude. Hey, but isn't like Tony Stark's in a tower like in New York too? So that could yeah, be like yeah, the Avengers right. Tower, whatever. Right, um, right. So what it what is her? Is her kryptonite? What's her weakness? Uh, you know, like we literally see uh, Superman take a bullet to like his eyeball and like it bounces <laughs> off. Like, do can you shoot Captain Marvel in the face? I don't know. Um, what you know, like uh, you know, Thanos's weakness is you take the Infinity Stones and destroy those, you can destroy Thanos, right? Like that's what makes him powerful. Is right when you think you've killed him, he'll he'll rewind time on you with the Time Stone or whatever. Right. It is. Um, so that's what I'm interested to see is, is, um, is she invincible for the next five films and what, Mm -hmm. what can, what can defeat her? But have we ruled out goose being the leader of the Avengers? (laughs) Uh, I certainly haven't. (laughs) Are they flexed that Nick Fury seems to be on the goose side, but where did we fall on the, um, okay. We're definitely in spoilers now. If you're still Mm -hmm. with us an hour into this, we're in spoilers. (laughs) Where did we feel on the? Uh, uh, where do we fall on the fact that his blindness came from a cat scratch? <laughs> uh, for I'll start out and just say that uh, I was a little let down. There was a hilarious video that came out. Uh, I'll send you a link to it. It's so funny. Um, but it came out right after the trailer for the, the first trailer for the movie came out, and it starts out with that clip from. Uh, from Winter Soldier. He says, last time I trusted someone, I lost an eye. And then it shows that clip from the trailer in the movie where he's like playing with Goose where he first meets him and then it like cuts to black and you hear a cat scratch and it's like him from another movie cursing the classic Samuel. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It was, and this guy called it, this person called it months ago and I'm sure they did it as a joke, but like, that's hilarious. The, the, the thought definitely crossed my mind, and I was really hoping that wasn't going to be the case. But that said, I am way more in favor of Disney and Marvel trolling a bunch of people like me, and I think it's kind of funny that way. And so I'm kind of like middle of the road. Like, yeah, I would have liked something cool. Like, the, But I like that they acknowledge that's how I assumed it was going to go. I assumed like the scroll were going to have something or he was going to have a piece of machinery that like took out his eye while he was holding it closed or something. And then, yeah. you know, the fact that they kind of make it into a joke. Like that was going to be the, 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 he sacrifices his eye for the sake right. of the, like, that's, yeah. Yeah. Like, 
It's like this so big I don't know. Poet. Like I, mm. I go back and forth. It sounds like it sounds like you guys are a little bit more decided on it. But <laughs> I just think I, I think you. that sounds. I think when you're in the writers' room, you're like, "Hey, what if we had Nick Fury lose his eye to this cat Flurgan thing?" And everybody says, <laughs> "That's great." And then two months later, it's in the script, and you're like, "Oh, what? <laughs> wait, what do we do?" And I don't know. It just sound it sounds funny as a trolling bit. And I love, I'm all in favor of, of add, obviously, of adding some humor to these things and, and, uh, and, you know, doing bits. I love bits. I, it just, I don't know. It just seemed, in execution, it seemed very cheesy to me and yeah. kind of a, yeah. a bit of a letdown of like, really? This is, this is canon now for, you know what? For the rest <laughs> of these movies, is that he lost his eye because he was cuddling a cat too close to his face. Like, that's, I don't know. It, <laughs> It's funny, and then when you really, I don't know, it's funny in the moment, and then you're like, okay, that's... Yeah, no, that's exactly how I felt. We're going to have to live with this for 20 years, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's definitely like, uh, it's, it's, I think it's going to be a polarizing moment. I think kids will laugh at it. Um, they'll laugh, and they'll think it's silly, but that's because they haven't been watching 22 films spread out across, mm. you know, 11 years or so. Um, so, yeah, the payoff felt a little weird, but... Um, I, I wonder, like, you know, I, you're right. Like, I can only imagine what the writer's room is like. Okay, guys, we have, like, you know, 11 years to, like, build up this thing, and Marvel has let us decide how he loses his eye, and then, like, like someone in the back. like a Johnson-type decision. You know? Like, an, they did Mad Libs in the uh, writer's room that day. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they just, yeah. like, decided that's how they were going to well, show Fury's eye. It felt like they were going to undo it whenever... Colson walks in with like the fake eyes. I thought he was going to be like, I'll take the blue one. And then he just puts in the <laughs> fake eye and then he undoes the thing. And it's like, well, is that how he lost his eye? Cause you know, he uh, could have a fake that would have even been better. That would have been a way better way to kind of leave it open ended like that. Um, I don't know. And then leave it up for debate on whether he lost his eye because of that or, or because it's just like lost, you know, yeah. giving you answers and then giving yeah. you like five more questions. Yeah, that that did kind of fall flat for me. I wanted to love that, but I did not at all. Um, so, so yeah. Um, RB, you still there? Barely. <laughs> but yeah, I'm here. Any thoughts on Goose? <laughs> uh, Where did y'all fall on the um, Top Gun and stuff? Just you know, just on the Goose, where the the nostalgic feel, just in some of the movies that it had callbacks to. What 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 movies came to mind when you were watching this? I mentioned mine, but yeah. mm. Mm. Brian, you have any? I'm just trying. I'm trying to think of other ones that Kent didn't mention. Uh, uh, yeah, there's mm. some like big to it. There, uh, there's some. Uh, no, it's just Independence Day. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Top Gun influences there, which is cool. I, you know, all those things are. Are good Top Gun, and Top Gun, and uh, I don't remember if anyone remembers that movie Broken Arrow. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I only say that because it's got like Air Force kind a of a little bit of Rocketeer. Stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah. Someone yeah. else had mentioned that to me too. I think I kind of got the vibe of Captain America with the Rocketeer, big same director, but um, Joe but, Johnson yeah. is that there's what it some, was? Joe Johnson. Yeah, there's some Man of Steel to it as well. Um, the better uh-huh. parts of of Man yeah, of Steel with the. Uh, the alien come to earth aspect and all that. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm wondering her, her powers. Like, does she, is she like Wolverine? Can she regenerate an arm if she loses an arm or 
I'm very curious uh, to see if if MamFam, if you want to email us and let us know how this you think this will play out, please let us know. I, um, I do have one. I do have really one more quick note too. I just yeah. was kind of upset that I don't know. I felt like, um, and I'm curious to hear what you guys think, but I felt like a looping in the Tesseract again. Just felt like once again, kind of unnecessary fan service. I would have liked to have seen something else. Maybe something that kind of like set phase four in motion and the Tesseract has now been in like five movies if you count it an end credit scene. Yeah. And uh it just seems kinda like unnecessary. So I mean that was that was one more thing I thought was kind of shoehorned in and and you know, was an opportunity mm-hmm. to go a different way. And I think also when you're talking about is she this super powerful person now? I mean, that's definitely a thought that's in my mind too. And you know, we talked about scrolls. I think maybe as we introduce the X-Men later on, I mean, one of the fascinating things in the X-Men comics is that Rogue gets her powers from Captain Marvel. I mean, I believe she's Miss Marvel in the comics when it happens, mm-hmm. but she basically like almost kills her taking her powers. Um, they, who knows if they'll end up going that yeah, way? I mean, they but should there's cross things that they can the do. X-Men's dead. I mean, yeah. this is... This might be it for that. I so. hope I hope they kill everyone in the new X Men movie and just like be like, <laughs> all right, you know, we we know that it's out of our hands now, so like let's take some risks. Why not? It's just I total mean, annihilation and Dark Phoenix, and yeah, it's just Dark it's, Phoenix just destroys the Earth, and that's how. I it wish ends. Logan <laughs> was just the last one they went out on and Gosh. called it a day. If they're smart, they'll bring they'll bring back Jackman at like the end of Endgame or something. <laughs> do you think they would ever do Gosh, that though? Like in a real that, like that would break I can't the internet. Even... I think the internet would like if if the 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 post credit scene of Endgame is is lo- a Logan <laughs> like use the time stone and go get Logan like before he dies or whatever. I don't know. That'd yeah, be, that'd be amazing. I mean, I keep thinking that, uh, and of course, I don't know if it what what even any realm of possibility this is now with him being Venom. But I always thought Tom Hardy would be a good a good Logan when they rebooted it. I mean, obviously uh-huh. he's got insanely large shoes to fill, but well, he can't have like... his face covered completely and be <laughs> Logan. So you know, he can't wear any kind of mask or thing to True. obscure his, his can vocals. understand everything he says. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's exactly. Out. He's out. exactly. Um, that I've, I've marked everything on my notes except for some cheesy dialogue. Um, mm. There's some really bad heavy handed stuff about, her feeling excluded for being a girl and stuff. Um, it, and, uh, you know, it, they, they weren't shy about the message in this movie at all. Let's just say yeah, that. It, that's definitely it, that, true. But I'll say, Kent, I, I, I'm with you. Like I felt that through the movie where they're just, I mean, cause I obviously we're all on board for not just on board. We're fully in support of, the message. So sometimes when you're, when you feel like you're the choir and you're being preached to, there's times where Mm. it's just, it starts to feel a little heavy. I did think they brought it home really well. That sequence with the mont, the kind of the montage scene of her, you know, her life, her experiences kind of flashing Mm -hmm. before her eyes at the end, as she fully realizes her power was a really, it was a, it was a touching good scene. And to me, it kind of made all those semi, not quite cringy, but kind of flat, moments of uh hey guys of messaging you know i it yeah. made all of that resonate and kind of fit in a in a good place to me and it i was i was i was up and down on it up to that point i, I thought that all kind of brought it together 
Yeah. Yeah. I thought the character, um, what was her, uh, what was the daughter's name? Monica Rambo. Yeah. Mm. Her daughter. I thought that character was only in there for those, <laughs> for those reasons of, um, uh, some of the exposition stuff. So I thought that character from a kid actor standpoint, this movie was a, was a train wreck. Oh. I mean, honestly, I'm, I, I honestly think one of the, and I know that I'm kind of in the minority. Whenever I talk to people, you know, I, I honestly think that Ant-Man's one of my favorites. And part of what makes that movie so great is the kid, uh, uh Abby, Abby Ryder Fortson, I think is her name. Mm-hmm. The, the young kid, uh, who plays yeah, she's uh, Cassie. She's great. And, uh, you know, one thing that you mentioned is that like a lot of the, you know, a lot of these characters in the comics go on to be their own superheroes. And I know that, uh, Monica, you know, she goes on to be someone that either, you know, she's taken on several names, like one being photon. And, uh, I've written down a few, but like, and Cassie Lang, in the comics goes on to be someone called stature. And she, you know, like Scott Lang has the, it's like an Ant-Man suit, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she, she does more of like the, you know, giant man type of thing or, uh, but yeah, I think that these are all just kind of like, this is the same way that they mention, you know, they have Aaron Davis mention his cousin when you see Spider-Man, cause they're like establishing, Hey, Miles Morales exists in this world. And I think that you're, you know, they're just there to kind of like move some, some of the plot around and have some quips, but she was all right. I I honestly, like the kid was adorable, but I just didn't think like, you know, she didn't really, it was whatever her her point, her lines were whatever, you know, she's okay. Side characters not developed well in this movie. And that's, that's how it, how it all came across to me. Yeah. Um, as we wrap things up here on, on Captain Marvel and bring it home, um, before we hit grades, um, first of all, where do we, th- where does this fall for you guys on your rankings? I'll go over that. And what are some characters that we still are missing from the MCU? Um, my number one is Nova still. I want a Nova movie. And I thought maybe they were planting the seed for Jude Law to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, with this, I don't know if that's the case, but, um, I would love a Nova movie. And I think with Guardians and with this and everything, I think, uh, there's enough backstory already that you could do a Nova movie and it would be good depending on who they got to play Nova. But he's probably my favorite MCU character that I think would be a really, really good uh, cinematic movie. If you get the right people involved, Um, it has all the, all the right, all the right ingredients to be success if they do it right. So that's, that's probably my number one. Is there a character maybe you guys would want to see join the Avengers besides like Deadpool Uh, or the obvious ones? That haven't no, been did, yeah. no movies of already. No, I don't know anything about like most half of these characters Queen as they the come. Yeah, as they come into the movies, that, I'm in on that. Uh, half of these characters as the they coon. come into the movies, I'm like, I had no idea who that was <laughs> beforehand. I'm pumped for X Men is the only comic books that I have ever cared about, like the actual comic books. So I would love to see. Disney figure and Mar- Disney Marvel Kevin Feige figure out how to use them properly in these movies yeah. or just make yeah. just start over or whatever needs to happen. I, I hope they just start over and I honestly hope I'm the same way. I honestly didn't even know half of these kids. The only comic book yeah. I read, I read comics for maybe two years when I was in middle school and it was all X-Men with like maybe the occasional Spider-Man tossed in, mm-hmm. but it was all X-Men. Yeah. That's all same I cared man. about. And 
while they've had some like really strong moments with Fox, you know, they've dropped the ball more often than not. And I think, you know, I, I can't imagine a world where Kevin Feige and Disney don't re- reboot the entire thing. And I think that that is where the MCU is going to find like its next footing for their next big thing is they might do, who knows, maybe they'll do, I believe there's a comic where it's Avengers versus X-Men before everything is. Oh, there totally is. You know? It's great. And I think, yeah. yeah. So it's like, you know, maybe that's like their civil war before everything. But I think. Honestly, if I wouldn't be surprised if they hold off on X Men until phase uh, until phase five, I would not be surprised because they've probably you know we're going to get the new slate any any month now or any week now something like that. I yeah. think it's like after the End Game trailer drops or after. I, actually, I think he said after Spider Man is in theaters, that's when they are dropping the slate the new, of the know, next movies. The but yeah, I, I, but I, if I have to agree with you. Just releases an animated movie. I guess yeah, that's part of it too, though, with the acquisition. So yeah, yeah, they're still going to put stuff out. I would, you know, it doesn't look like they're going to shelve the new X Men movie that's coming out. I look like that way for a while. It was just like kind of floating around, but um, yeah, I can't imagine wanting to see anyone. And like I said, it's because like like you guys, a lot of these people I'd never even heard of. I mean, when my roommate, my old roommate, was explaining Guardians of the Galaxy, and he's like, oh, and there's a tree, and they only says one thing, and there's a talking raccoon. And I was just like, oh, well, I hope this isn't where, like, their downfall starts. Um, I, I I don't know any other characters. So X-Men's the only thing I can think of, but I've heard other people, like, can't say Nova is something they'd like to see. So, yeah, for me, it's X-Men. Yeah. Man, it would be... I don't know if they would completely reboot X-Men, because you've got such great people involved with it already yeah that have I just, credibility i i don't know i mean are you are you saying I guess goodbye to, to 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 uh fastbender are you saying goodbye to jennifer lawrence are you saying goodbye to evan peters are you saying i mean we're goodbye, definitely you know, saying goodbye to jennifer lawrence i mean unless like they they give her so much money but i mean like they're obviously setting it up that she doesn't even survive this next one it's looking like well i'm so. talking about like in another oh. movie um right does that open them up to be in future mcu movies or uh i guess know? i mean money talks. you know what if i was them if i was marvel i would just and i was bringing back the x-men i would just be like Patrick Stewart, what are you doing, man? Yeah. <laughs> Just two movies, maybe three. We'll yeah. shoot it all in a year, two years. We'll and you'll shoot around the new Star Trek that Heck you're yeah, doing. Man. We'll make it work for hard. Just bring back, bring back freaking Professor X. But uh, yeah, yeah. So for me on my ranking, this uh, is at number eleven right now on uh, out of twenty one. So it's like right in the middle, actually. When I w- went and actually did it and uh, hmm. tried to rank it out, it, it falls right ahead of. Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Ant-Man, Iron Man 2, Thor, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Doctor Strange, Iron Man 3, Avengers 2, Hulk, and Thor 2. Are, that's my bottom tier. And my top tier would be Captain America, Captain America 3, Thor, Regonk, Spider-Man, um, Avengers Infinity War, and then my top tier is Avengers, Black Panther, Iron Man, Guardians, and Winter Soldier. So, yeah, it's right in the middle. I would say um, I'm going to grade this one out at a B plus, And you know what? You're doing good when your middle-tier movies are B-pluses. Um, mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that's a totally fair grade given uh, the circumstances. So, yeah, B-plus for me on Captain Marvel. Where do you guys fall on this one? Yeah, it's, uh, same, with, same, man. I'm a B-plus. Yeah. I have it somewhere between – I'm looking at my letterbox. I have it – I don't know. I have it at 14 right now. That's always kind of – 
you know, it could be somewhere between 11 and 15, anywhere in there. And and yeah. to your point, yeah, it's much more about how strong this whole cinematic universe is versus any real disparity on this. I, I wish they would have... I think they did a good job of finding the, the right balance on the 90s nostalgia. Honestly, I think they could have gone even a little harder on it. I wish they... Yeah. This was the same... This was like my only complaint with Black Panther, and it's the same here. In those... Especially in that, like the fight sequence with no doubt pl- uh, playing and stuff, freaking hammer that. Like, play it hard and loud and have it kind of go. To me, I, w- I want that music to, if you're going to have, if you're going to have music be part, especially popular, like have music, it be the focus. Yeah, really pump it and, and have that mix come up loud and heavy and just yeah. go with it and and i wish they would have done that there especially in a fight scene uh, that's something that guardians both guardians movies have gotten uh right really really well is hey we're using these pop songs so we're going to we're going to hit them otherwise they're just kind of background noise and i yeah i i wish they would have gone heavy get up come on get down what the somebody please edit that together we need that we need that captain marvel i think i'm pretty sure blade blade has a sequence to that exact song or one of those does back in the day but so anyway for me it's b plus richard how about you buddy uh i'll go b solid b fair jonathan uh, you know, honestly, I'm going to say a solid B, too. Um, but I, I have to agree, like, if that's where they're, like, and it also ranks right in the middle for me, like, around 11 or 12 when I looked last. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's, I may feel like it's a B-plus later on, but right now it's a solid B, and that's, like, really good. If they put out just movies like this caliber, for, you know, and give us, like, a Ragnarok, excuse me, a Ragonk, <laughs> Yeah, we're and gonk. a, a right. gonk and a civil war and an infinity war here and there and, and an occasional really good black panther kind of solo movie um i'm okay with that and i thought like i said i think she's really gonna shine just like captain america's first movie wasn't nearly as good as the follow-up i feel like her you know what they're gonna show us next in avengers maybe they maybe they use avengers to show up hey you know she's not like literally just gonna kick Thanos's ass with one arm tied behind her back. She's gonna. I have a feeling she's really gonna end up being more of the muscle, and mm-hmm. it'll be interesting to see how they establish, you know, some ground rules for her powers and her character in general. Hopefully, as soon as Avengers, because you're right. Like if she just comes in and destroys them, and I don't think they're. I, I do think Disney knows what they're doing. I don't think that's going to be the case at all. But it's it's going to be their opportunity to be like, yeah, there's still more development to be had with this character. She's watch, not just- watch her die in this. Watch her die in Endgame, <laughs> and then like the time stone is going to stick around, and then they're going to have one loophole where they're like, oh, remember how we can reverse time? Yeah, yeah. And they're going to use I'm- that at some point and bring back. Steve Rogers and bring back Iron Man if they want to. Like I yeah. said, bring Logan back if you want to. Whoever. Right. My theory is that that Steve Rogers is going to end up being the new sacrifice for the Soul Stone because I mean it's it sounds like somebody's going to die. Uh, people yeah. are going to die. That's that's yeah. what we know. I mean, either All way, right. Gamora has to be replaced. If they ended up using the stone to, for any of that stuff, someone's going to have to take her place. Oh but yeah, yeah. It, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's true. Okay. Um, that's Captain Marvel, and we're going to hit some weekly recommends. Boom. Weekly recommends. Okay, uh, Richard, what are you going to recommend, man? 
Yeah, I'm going to recommend a, uh, actually on something kind of on, not on topic, but at least in the film world, which is uh, rare for me. I'm going to recommend a podcast. Um, Fresh Air did a retrospective of uh, The Godfather last week, last Friday, 50 years of The Godfather, and they pieced together uh, interviews with um, Francis Ford Goblo and Mario Puzo, who wrote the book. And it's just really interesting if you're interested in like The Godfather and that era of writing and filmmaking it's a really interesting talk so yeah 50 years since the uh, book pretty crazy and and uh, an enjoyable look back so it's on the uh, fresh air podcast you can find it or you know on your npr app or whatever you want to do nice uh what about you brian yeah i'm gonna recommend a show um that my wife and i binged all of yesterday we had a rare kid gone for the entire day and night and instead of doing cool things or I don't know. Bed Bath and Beyond. Yeah, hit up. There wasn't enough time for Bed Bath and Beyond, but uh, (laughs) we just literally binged an entire show. But it was really, it was a big one last year that that a lot of people were super pumped about, uh, and I I just hadn't had time. So the it's it's Killing Eve on BBC America, Mm -hmm. and uh, we watched it on Hulu. The the second season starts in like two weeks, so we got it at the right time. But it's uh, Sandra O and someone named Jody Comer. And it's a, it's like a, it's a murder. It's a, 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 an MI6 agent trying to chat to a track, excuse me, and a, an international assassin who's a total psychopath and just the way that their relationship sort of intertwines, but it's really funny. That's the thing that took me off guard. I, I, I guess I hadn't heard anybody say, uh, this is a really, really funny show. It's very uh, well-written and as light as that kind of material could be. I don't love, you know, I'm not like a true crime guy too much and all that sort of stuff is not really my bag, but this was, it was funny and it was very funny and it kind of kept me um, engaged in the parts that aren't really my thing. But yeah, it's, it's like eight episodes. They're pretty short episodes for, for uh, you know, by today's standards so many times. Like I'm, I'm, I'm re-binging Game of Thrones right now and like the seventh season of Game of Thrones, every episode is like, 120 minutes long I mean they're just so so long so these are all by TV standards so it's like 42 minutes and a pretty pretty quick and easy binge and and uh, we'll get you prepped for for season two so check that out awesome I have not seen that yet but uh, just add it to the you know ever growing list of shows I need to watch I know I know you got to do it okay I'm gonna recommend a movie Um, I'm not sure it's on streaming but uh, I just caught it. It came out in 2014. I don't know why I didn't see it at the time, but I uh, just, just caught it. Uh, it's called Pawn Sacrifice. Um, this one's Tobey Maguire, uh, Peter Sarsgaard, and Liev Schreiber. Now, this one's about the Bobby Fischer versus Boris Spassky chess match um, mm. in the Cold War uh, times and the kind of implications of that, the World, Ch- World Chess Championship. Uh, between the U.S. and the Soviet uh, Union back in the day and kind of the implications of that and what it meant at the time. Uh, there's documentaries out there about it, but this is the first, I believe, or best narrative version of that. Uh, Barry Zwick, um, or Edward Zwick, um, directed it, and he has done such projects as uh, Blood Diamond, The Last Samurai, and uh, such. So Legends of the Fall, you might know some of his other movies, but this is his, one of his newer movies. I think that Jack Reacher movie he did with uh, Tom Cruise, he did that as well. It's kind of his Love and Other Drugs, if you've seen that. But um, Pawn Sacrifice, if you're into that story at all or 
Um, if you want to see kind of a more dramatic side for Toby McGuire, which is not something you get all the time, he's really pretty good as Bobby Fischer. And uh, it's a, it's a, it's worth a watch, I would say. If you're, if you're at all familiar with that story, it's a, it's a good dramatic uh, telling of it. And uh, it's good. Palm Sacrifice. Check that out. Um, that's my recommend. Palm Sacrifice. Forgive me if this has actually been recommended in the past, uh, but I love the show Superstore. I have been, I oh kind of binged it. <laughs> Not for you? No, I actually watched this. Uh, um, I remember we did did it for the pilot episode, but I'm not kidding you. Last night I watched the pilot again because I saw this show got renewed for season six or something, and I was like, "Okay, I gotta I gotta watch one episode if this is in six. Maybe there's something I missed." Better it gets way and better. It's- I saw Ruben. I remember I forgot Ruben Fleischer was is oh, executive producer. Did the the Venom and- dude. So you yeah, know it's good. Yeah, the uh, the Zombie Land guy. Oh as yeah, well. that's right. And yeah. um, it's fine. Um, I don't know if it's I, six seasons fine, but so let you know, me tell I'm you, sure. it's like it's like uh, it reminds me. And I honestly was saying it's like the closest thing to me for to like, and I, it's not anywhere near as like graphic or adult as like The Office was, but it's like kind of scratching the Office slash Parks and Rec itch for me. And workplace just comedy. Like, yeah, and just like. Parks and Rec, it gets way better as the show goes on. Much funnier as the show goes on. But Ryan, I just you've seen it. Like a hiatus. It's been on every I flight have, I've I, ever been on. Anytime there's <laughs> communal TV on a flight, you can bet on some Superstore. It's, yeah. It's, what does Adrian think? Write us in. Yeah, Adrian, Adrian let, it, let us know how Superstore is. I'm sure he's seen it. For sure. <laughs> you've not seen it, Ryan? Sure. No, I, I've seen like, I think I watched the pilot and... It uh, it, it comes just, on. It sounds like a Beagle special. I can't. No, no, I don't. No, I don't. Comes... America Ferrera. That's yeah. I know Richard doesn't like America Ferrera. I don't. The guy is the main guy. The same from same the beginning. From Mad Men. Okay. See, I like that guy. However, I can't. I can't look at him because all I can see is him cutting his nipple off in oh, Mad yeah. Men. Oh yeah. Oh god. So, I'll always. I'll never be able like, to see that. Yeah. The first time I'd ever I'm, seen him in anything. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so I I can't do it. I can't do it. Yeah. But it's on. I think it comes on before Good Place, maybe. Which is there's like three shows total that I watch on actual right. television at this point, and that's Good Place then or Brooklyn Nine Nine. One of them. Right. I can't remember. Oh, I love, yeah. So I catch like you know twelve seconds of it. The way Richard watched two minutes of Bones uh, before <laughs> uh, NBA games for for fifteen years. I've seen the last I, two I, minutes I, of I every love. Bones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. I love and I love Brooklyn Nine Nine. And I and what was the other one you mentioned? Um, uh, Good Place. Good, yeah. you know, Good Place. I'm actually that's what I'm in the middle of watching now. I'm catching up. I'm in the first season, so Great. I. Uh, but I had seen it and loved it, and then just like life happened and just hadn't. You know, the same thing happened when I started watching Breaking Bad forever ago before I got current on it. You know, right before it wrapped up, it was just. You know, it took me a while to actually get into it, but uh, Good Place is very, very funny. So yeah, maybe I'll have to, uh, you know, binge all of Superstore, but yeah. probably not. <laughs> okay stay tuned <laughs> all right um jonathan thanks for joining us thanks for the insights on the uh, comic side of me. things i definitely had no idea about 99 percent of that so um i'm educated at least so i'm a listener um where can we find you online uh i am at jonathan lally on twitter j-o-n-a-t-h-a-n-l-a-l-l-y but if you don't find awesome. that I will not be upset it's okay and at Mr. Sweaters on 
Absolutely.net no. forums. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. R.I.P. <laughs> Mr. Sweaters. R- yeah, R- R.I.P. Mr. Sweaters R- was, was yeah. honestly a legendary cat. Uh, I'll we'll send photos. We can include it in the notes or something. Send me a, t- send me a Mr. Sweater t-shirt. I, know oh, got some of I have so many. Yeah. I'll send the whole yeah. ma'am fam's getting a Mr. Sweater's t-shirt. There you go. I'm good. Okay. Uh, Richard, where can we find online? <laughs> um, you can find me on everything at uh, Richard Barden and all that good stuff. The Mad About Movies podcast newsletter, which we will have one next week. Brian, where can I find you? You can find me on the Twitter, BGill12. You can find my writing at madaboutmoviespodcast.com and the aforementioned Mad About Movies podcast newsletter. And uh, yeah, Kent, what about you? Uh, at Kent Harrison on Twitter and Instagram. And thanks for listening. If you want more from us, that VIP club, we are going to do more episode uh, this week. And we're doing Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind this week in the VIP. Uh, as our bonus combo and again the AMA next week as well so see you over there in the after party until then we'll see you at the cinema goodbye hey baby I hear the blues are calling toss salads and scrambled eggs and maybe I seem a bit confused yeah maybe but I've got you pegged <laughs> but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs and again scrambled eggs all over my face they're making me ya ya your salad is scrambled eggs they're calling again 